thanks for joining us. It is Unleashed. Very sports talk with me, John Lund, in, in uh, Phoenix from Super Bowl 57. What do we got? Five o'clock straight up here, which is four o'clock where you are. Thanks for joining in. A uh, bunch of different topics. Hit me up with anything that you want to hear about as far as uh, the 49ers are concerned, NFL. We had a bunch of great guests on. In fact, the guest list we are on KMBR today. Uh, Mike Golick, who's going to do sidelines for Westwood One. David Tyree, who had the helmet catch, was on today. Jake Plummer talking about mushrooms. LeGarrette Blunt, two-time Super Bowl champion from the Patriots. And the Eagles, Jeffrey Chadia joined us. NFL Network, Chris Russo, Mad Dog today. Mitch Holtis, he is the uh, voice of the Chiefs. Sean Merriman, Ambothea Harris, uh, she's with XM now, was with the NFL Network for, for years. And Brian Billick, Super Bowl winning head coach of the... Oh, yeah, it is 5 p.m. there. You're 100% right. I'm looking at the clock that we used for the show today. It's 6 o'clock here, 5 o'clock uh, Pacific. Thank you for the uh, for the correction here as we're getting all set up. But uh, anyway, uh, great guest list today as far as what I learned and as far as um, 49ers buzz around here, a couple of different things. Uh, number one, Brock Purdy surgery, and you've probably heard by now that's going to happen on February 22nd. Um, I'm not saying it's good news. I'm not saying it's bad news. But what we all did is we kind of all assumed that Oh, okay. Uh, well, he's going to have the surgery tomorrow, and it's and it's going to be August, and he's going to be ready to go. And the the difference here is, uh, we still don't know exactly what the surgery is going to be. They're going to have to wait till they get in there. But the other thing is, because of the swelling, they had to wait for a few weeks for this thing to go down. So if we're saying that, uh, if we're saying that Brock Purdy uh, is going to be ready for training camp, maybe, maybe not, because what you're looking at is you're looking at. Um, six months from the time it, it happens. And so now you're looking at mid to late August potentially, and that's best case scenario if they put the brace in there and it's three months for the rehab, three more months to be able to throw a football. And now you're looking at mid-August. And the issue I have with it is now you're crossing your fingers because maybe you play, you know, you don't play a ton in the preseason anyway, but he's going to play in the preseason a little bit, hasn't thrown with the wide receivers the entire off season. And I, I believe that this is a legitimate chance, and maybe I'm 100% wrong, but I believe that this is a legitimate chance for Trey Lance because it's going to be the entire offseason with Trey Lance working with these guys. He's going to almost assume the position and say, okay, uh, Brock Purdy can't throw. That means I'm going to go and do the camps, and I'm going to throw with these guys in Southern California, and I'm going to rent a big house, and I'm going to, and he's got the money to do it, so he's going to take charge of the team like it's his. And then if Brock Purdy beats him out, Brock Purdy beats him out. My point in saying all that is I love what Brock Purdy did. I'm a big Brock Purdy da- a guy. I've said this on numerous shows, both leading up to the NFC Championship game and um, and since he's gotten injured. Uh, Brock Purdy's great. But I, I'm, I'm going to stop short, you know, both with this injury and with uh, the sample size we got from Brock Purdy, and this is talking to a lot of people down here at the Super Bowl on media row as well, that, you know, eight games, look, he was really, really good. I'm not saying he wasn't. But when the competition got ramped up a little bit with the Cowboys, uh, we don't know what he would have done in the Eagles game, that I do believe that and, – and I look, here's the one thing, too, that everybody should know, that the organization absolutely loves Brock Purdy, all right? So it's his, it's his job to lose. But what I am saying is that it's going to be, I believe – an open competition just because Brock's getting the surgery done February 22nd, which now we're looking at a situation where where Trey Lance is going to have the entire offseason to be with the first team, to take charge, to act like the starting quarterback. And the one thing I would say, too, is that we've talked a lot of people with, and I said this before I left, actually, 
was we see, we see what Jalen Hurts is now for the Eagles, and this is really what Trey Lance was supposed to be with the 49ers. He was supposed to be a multidimensional quarterback where Kyle Shanahan, and we, we know this going into the NFC Championship game because we talked a ton about it on KNBR, which is, okay, uh, Jalen Hurts runs, Jalen Hurts throws. It's going to be difficult. you gotta you got to prepare for both of those kind of things. So, look, if I was a betting man right now, and by the way, Arizona allows you to bet. If I was a betting man right now, I would say that Brock Purdy is going to be the starting quarterback. But the fact that this thing, this surgery now is going to be February 22nd, uh, means that Trey Lance is going to be the pseudo starter and be able to kind of assume that position with the organ- organization for the entire offseason. And now, is he better? And the reason I bring up Jalen Hurts, too, is because Jalen Hurts improved greatly. I mean, you watch college football, I'm sure, just like I do. I mean, Jalen Hurts leaps and bounds from the guy that we saw at Alabama, certainly better than the guy we saw at Oklahoma. I'm just throwing it out there that I like Brock Purdy. If I was a bet man, I think Brock Purdy would be the starting quarterback of this team. But there's a unique opportunity for Trey Lance, and all through this whole Brock Purdy run, it was like, man, I feel bad for Trey Lance because here's this guy that you know didn't start, then had an opportunity to start, then had that cut short, and then you had this guy that they took in the seventh round basically become not only the talk of the town, the talk of the NFL. And sorry, dude, you're not going to get your chance. And because you don't make a lot of money and a lot of money's not made at the position, he could hang out and be the second-string quarterback and maybe get some opportunities but make it clear that Brock Purdy's going to be the starting quarterback. So, again, I think if I'm a betting man, Brock Purdy's still the quarterback. But is there an opportunity for Trey Lance, and how wide would I put that door? I mean, it's not a sliver. It's also not a, you know, it's not massive. But there's an opportunity for him to assume the position in the offseason. Kyle loves Brock Purdy. So it's a certain, it's an uphill climb. But hearing today that the surgery is going to be February 22nd, yeah, maybe, maybe. Uh, Jeffrey. You and Papa have been on Purdy since he joined the team last year, so I know you all are coming to this from a good place. Yeah, like I said, I, I like I like Brock Purdy, but here's what I really like, and this has been a, a conversation point here at Radio Row in Arizona. This team, talking to a lot of people that know a lot of things, both on and off the air, this team had a damn good chance to make and win a Super Bowl. They did. And so the only thing I really care about, because the 49ers being good, is good for our business, and also I like the organization, and I like all the people I've met, and, you know, you see in the media all the time, and everybody's objective towards things, but, you know, look, this is where I live, and this is what, you know, this makes our business better, and you know people within the organization, and it's a lot of fun to, uh, you know, to win, and we've sat here now, this is the second consecutive year, and look, don't cry for me, I'm sitting at the Super Bowl on Media Row, but this is the second consecutive year where people sit down and they almost say before we go on the air, hey, man, sorry, sorry. It's like you don't have to apologize to us. We, you know, we're, we want him to be here, but I feel bad for Greg too because last year, and I think this year's harder. And give me your thoughts in the comments, both if uh, you're watching this a little bit later, if you're watching it live as we're live at Media Row in Arizona, is uh, it, it, this year's harder, right? I mean, this year has to be harder. And I mean, I hope and I hope you're listening and everything. But this year, just not knowing, and I, I said this to a lot of people today, just not knowing. Uh, and the one thing I do come back to is the Philadelphia offensive and defensive lines are really good. And if you believe people who say you win it in the trenches, which you do, then maybe Philly wins that game. But it is harder this year. Uh, L.A. was harder last year being in L.A. And we had tons of you know Rams media and all that kind of stuff. And you had a 10-point lead going into the fourth quarter. So, yeah, that was that was a tough one. I do think this year is a little bit tougher. What do you think? 
Um, Nick J, what's up, Nick J? Uh, so that's one of the big stories today. Give me your thoughts on it. We talked a lot about it. Uh, Brock Purdy is going to get surgery on February 22nd. Uh, we all assumed, and, and again, I'm no doctor, as you well know. You listen on a regular basis, and I appreciate it, or watch the uh, you, watch me on the YouTube channel or listen to the podcast. And, you know, I, I just know what I read. And if the surgery is going to be February 22nd, it's not that I have any uh, thoughts whatsoever. We all, all know how medicine has evolved these days. It, it, the surgery is going to be successful. Here's what we don't know. They're, going, they're saying brace, all right? They're saying they're, they're going to do that brace, and it's going to be three months, and it's going to be six months of rehab. And then Trey's going to be fine. That's best case scenario. But what we keep hearing is that they won't know until they until they do it. Here's one more thing, and I'm not doing this to make anybody panic. I just kind of did this on the show today on KMBR, and I was wondering out loud. They're doing. It's a baseball doctor from the Texas Rangers. Now maybe that's just what they felt most comfortable with. Was that they they decided, hey, you know what? Baseball doctors do this kind of surgery, a UCL surgery, more than, say, football doctors would do it. So here's, you know, maybe this is what took so long also to find the right surgeon, the surgeon that they wanted to do the the procedure. Maybe this guy is the best around. I have no idea. But the one thing that does make me a little nervous about the surgery being more complicated than just being that three-month brace, six months, he's ready to go. Uh, it also could be a six-month rehab, and maybe it's you know a little bit longer for it's ready to go. And then worst-case scenario was Tommy John, and then it's potentially up to a year. But this is a baseball doctor. So is he going in there thinking he's going to do the brace, or is he going in there thinking, you know what, if that's that brace isn't the thing to do once I get in there, then I'm obviously equipped as a baseball doctor, and not me, but that he's obviously equipped as a baseball doctor to do a Tommy John surgery. That makes me a little bit nervous. Why are you going baseball guy? If we think it's not going to be that, then a baseball guy would be a guy that could then perform Tommy John surgery, and then you're looking at a year, then Trey's the starter for sure. Anyway, maybe I'm just being panicky. I could I, I could be. I could be just panicky. Who knows? Uh, 2023 is harder. Nick J says, no QB, no chance to win. No question. I mean, that's all we're sitting here talking about. I'm looking at a – I'm looking at a um, – in fact, I could probably flip the screen if I was smarter. But I'm on Media Row in Phoenix, and I'm looking at a banner right now and the banner has Mahomes and Jalen Hurts in it, on it. And we had Brian Billick on, one of the greatest defenses of all time. I'm not into, you know, calling this or the or the, I, I'm more of a Mount Rushmore. So it's you know the Ra- and I'm talking about defenses. And so Brian Billick obviously was the head coach of the defense of the Ravens. So I would look at the '70s Steelers, and I would look at the Bears in the '80s and the '85 team that won it, and I would look at, you know, a, a number of different teams. The Ravens are in it, so on and so forth. I'm not into saying you know, this is the best defense. All I'm saying is unless you have that kind of a defense and the Niners, as good as they've been in recent years, have been a notch below that, I'm talking about the greatest of the greatest, you got to have a great quarterback. So, you know, you yeah, Trent Dilfer won one and Jeff Hostetler won one, and there's a number of different guys who you would say, that guy won a Super Bowl? But unless you have one of those guys, and this is the other thing that was said all day on uh, Media Row today is I think actually Chris Russo and Jeff, thanks for saying that, um, I'll jump all over the place today, but Chris Russo said the Eagles have the best team two through 53, meaning that the number one player on every team is the quarterback and Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league. And when all is said and done in this whole thing, he might be just the best of all time. And so if you're better two through 53, that's great. But if you have one, 
then one might be able to lead you to a championship. The other thing obviously being talked about all day long was how good his ankle is, and we had a bunch of people come in who was out of the, or out of the practice field, one being Mitch Holtis, who is the uh, voice of the Chiefs, and, and of course the voice of the Chiefs is going to say Mahomes is great and he's going to be fine, so we'll see. Uh, let's see what else do we got. By the way, thanks for joining the chat. Appreciate it. We're live at Media Row in Phoenix. Uh, Jeffrey, uh, who says, uh, it's super unfair, but Trey will have a chance to take back the starting job if and when he wins it in the, po- in the uh, pre- postseason. Right. Yeah, look, it, I, I don't know about fair and unfair, and one of the things that you teach your kid, right, one of the first things at least I did, and I think everybody teaches their kid, is there's no such thing. Life is unfair. Uh, Trey's hand dealt to him is not fair. Uh, Brock Purdy getting injured is not fair. Uh, all these different things, and it could come all the way around. I, I'll be honest with you. Trey has a great uh, Trey has an opportunity because he's going to be pseudo number one quarterback through OTAs. He's going to probably do tra- uh, throwing camps with the wide receivers so they can get on the same page. All these different things that Trey can do. I don't question his leadership. I don't question his work ethic. I know for a fact both of those are good. Um, it's just a matter of a guy who d- threw so few passes at North Dakota State. So he threw so few passes and didn't have the competition level of Brock Purdy. Purdy threw, I think, about 1,500 passes in college at Iowa State. And I'm not saying the Big 12 has a great defenses, but he came in prepared to play. Uh, Brock or uh, Trey Lance came in prepared to do what he always does, which is I'm the best athlete on the field. I'm going to outrun you. And we all know through the history of time that that just doesn't happen. And I don't care if you're Michael Vick or Randall Cunningham or go on down the line to the best running quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson, He's kind of stalling, and I'm not saying he's stalling in his career. I'm saying that their offense is fairly remedial because he's not at the level where a lot of these passers are, and at some point, you have to become a passer. I mean, that's not me talking. That's me regurgitating Steve Young. That's at some point, you just have to be able to do that, and if Trey Lance can figure it out, and look, I don't have a doubt. Well, I have a doubt, but what I'm saying is, and again, I'll bring this up, Jalen Hurts, who I'm staring at the banner right now, wasn't good throwing the football at Alabama, got better at Oklahoma, wasn't good as a rookie or a first-year starter with the Eagles, and this year is really, really good. Now, he's got great receivers. He might have the best offensive line in the league, and he has a three-deep and he has three deep at running back, but he got better. And so if Trey Lance can make that kind of a, a jump, maybe things are going to be tough on Kyle Shanahan. We'll see. But he'll be the pseudo-starter, it sounds like, because Brock's going to have the, uh, the, brand, the, uh, the surgery on February 22nd with a baseball doctor, the Rangers baseball doctor. Uh, MF, that's I like that. Uh, I've talked to you before. Random, but I miss Greg. Uh, Greg Pop in the pre and post game live for the Giants. It, it's certainly nothing against anybody who does anything on that channel on uh, on Comcast, whether it be Warriors, whether it be Giants, whether it be anything. Greg is an awesome play by play guy, and he's awesome in the studio. And the reason he is is because he works harder than anybody. I mean, he just works and works and works, and that's just what he does. And so it's just natural. He builds relationships on those shows with those guys. A lot of those guys, when you were watching Giants or Warriors or anything like that, they did that because Greg was there. Chris Mullen came back to do Warriors coverage because Greg was doing it, and now he likes it. And, again, I'm not ripping anybody. It's Look, Greg has been doing this for a long time, and in studio – I would even say nationwide, he's amazing at it because he's, it's just a natural thing. He's just talking. He knows the numbers. He, he, he outworks everybody. 
And he's just he's really good in the studio at those things. He knows the numbers, he knows the players, he knows the history. Um, it's that's just what he does. And so, you know, a lot of those guys that he worked with with the Giants, Rich Aurelia and all those different guys, they came in because they wanted to work with Greg. Um, so it's just, you know, it's different. You know, whether it's better, whether it's not, whether people don't like it, whether they do, whatever the case may be. But yeah, he's he's amazing, that kind of stuff. Uh, Jeffrey, and this is one of the questions I'm asking on the uh, on the live stream as we're live at, at uh, Media Row in Phoenix. This year's loss will be harder, Jeffrey says, than last year, but it's sinking in slower than last year. Explain that a little bit more. Um, I agree with you. It's just what what I'm saying from my standpoint where we sit on Media Row, and it's slow now, as you can see behind me, like you can see FanDuel and all around the outside, and I'll kind of tell you about what this is like here because I've been doing this, uh, as I tell you many times, for years, over 20 years, and Radio Row, and this is why I respected Chris Russo and I fanboyed for a minute when he first came on the show because there wouldn't be Radio Row. There wouldn't be sports radio. I mean, maybe in some form, but Chris Russo, in my, in my industry, Chris Russo and Mike, Francesca, and Mike Francesca started it on WFAN in New York. That's where the format started. And while there's different variations depending on where you live, you know, we're not hardcore and screamer yellers. I was in Detroit, and the worse they did, the better the ratings got. It's not like that. New York, they're yelling and screaming. Philly's different. I mean, a, a couple of boosts down from me. I lived in Dallas. The guys from the ticket in Dallas are here. Everybody's different in how they do it. But the format started, whether you agree with what they did and how they did it or not, and there was a 30 for 30 on it and uh, with Russo and Francesa at FAN in New York. That's where it started. And so I, I told him when he sat down today, there wouldn't have been, there wouldn't be a radio row. There wouldn't be a sports radio. There would I mean there would, but it would be in a different form. But they started the whole thing and then everybody all these other radio companies went, Wow. And it's a great demographic to have. As you guys know, there's a passion about it. I mean, it's just cool. And he started it. So whether you like him, whether you hate him, whether you hate him yelling, whether you hate him with screaming A, whether you don't like high heat or like his style, the the fact is is that he's the ultimate OG in my industry. So I respect them about it. But in terms of you're saying it's harder to sink in the, the loss last year, what I was saying is is that sitting, at, sitting here at Radio Row, it's just that people sit down and they're almost sympathetic because we have a, we have a, uh, a big stand right here and it's just KMBR and it's got a Niners and a Giants logo on it. And they're like, hey, man, like almost first thing if they're a football guy and they'll say, oh, sorry about, you know, sorry about the loss, sorry about the loss. And it's like, look – we're different in the Bay Area. The West Coast is certainly different. It's not that we don't take our losses hard. We do. But in New York and Philly, and I lived in Detroit, there's just nothing else. And there's nothing else in the winter, so there's nowhere to go. You know, I I, I try to explain to people that basically in Detroit when I was there, there's these indoor, like, gyms, but they're not even gyms. They're swimming pools and things, places for kids to play because there's nothing else. And so when your team loses, especially if you think they're going to – it's just devastating. You know, and now the Super Bowl is what it is, but it just that's it's just a different deal. So it is hard for us to get over these kind of things. But people have sat down on radio at Media Row this week and just be like, hey, and the, and I think we have come to a consensus now. We're two days into it. We did Tuesday and Wednesday here, and obviously we'll do Thursday and Friday. But I mean, people just sit down and just kind of shake their head. Like, you know, we ask them, what do you think? You, tougher last year, tougher this year. Had a ten point lead going into the fourth quarter against the Rams, or just weren't able to prove whether you're better or not to the uh, you know against the Eagles in Philadelphia. And most people sitting down, 90%, oh, yeah, not getting a chance. Not getting a chance. So give me your thoughts. Uh, Let's see, what else do we got? 
Uh, Birdie will come back throwing 104 mile per hour heaters. And Nick J says, "So here's what here's what somebody told me about this, because I was always under the impression that they wrap the the tendon so uh, so much that then that would lead to the increased velocity. But why would I was told? Again, I'm not a doctor. I'm a regurgitator. What I was told was the rehab around it. So the rehab around the UCL and the muscles and everything in that and building it up like that." That is the thing that builds up the extra velocity in a pitcher. So it's up to Trey. It's up to Trey. It's up to Brock Purdy. How hard is Brock Purdy going to work? How much work is Brock Purdy putting into the rehabilitation uh, to make him, you know, like the $6 million man? I'm bigger. I'm faster. I'm stronger. Like if he's doing that, if he's, if he's coming back and he's going to do the rehab, and then it's going to be better. I had a bunch of people uh, hit me up and say they were concerned about Brock Purdy's velocity going down after he gets this surgery. I don't believe that to be the case at all. I think what's going to happen is he's going to rehabilitate this. Again, this isn't talking to people who have done all of these type of surgeries, whether it be the brace, whether it be something in the middle, whether it be a total reconstruction, is that it's it's just about him rehabilitating it and and it will actually help him because he's going to have an entire offseason of not throwing. Now, that's not good if you're trying to get continuity with receivers, which he still needs to do. Uh, that's not good because you're missing OTAs. That, I mean, there's a number of reasons why it's not good, but from a long-term standpoint and where the arm is going to be, what I'm told is, you know, stronger, faster, better. He actually could get more velocity. So MF says, love hearing Russo on with you guys. Look, I like him, and uh, you know, but I'm random. Like, I kind of like – I. this is going to be really unpopular. Don't turn off the uh, podcast or the YouTube channel because I say this. We've had Joe Buck on many, many times on the show. Uh, he's fine. I, I have no issue whatsoever. I have no issue whatsoever. And since I'm since we brought him up real quick, um, it wasn't his fault that he ro- rode a cable car. I mean, we all know that he couldn't get from Candlestick at the point to the World Series, but Fox probably made him do it. I don't know why people don't like him. They don't. I've told this story many times on the show. I was at the uh, the World Series in 2012, and Pablo hit the third home run, and everyone started chanting, Joe Buck sucks. Joe Buck sucks. And I'm thinking to myself, in my very high up media seat, very high, where I needed an oxygen mask. I'm like, why are they doing that? And who knows? I mean, you get drunk and you, you say stuff and you chant stuff. I did it last night at the media party. But, um, you know, it's, <laughs> it just kind of is what it is. I don't know why people don't like him. It's just, it's random. But um, my point on Russo is, is that, yeah, I like him. You know, I, I, I like Chris Russo. Now, um, do I put him on my car in my car on my way to work at like seven thirty in the morning? And he's, rah, 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 he's screaming his head off. No, um, but he's passionate. I respect that. He started our uh, industry in, in sports radio, so I respect that. I mean, there's a lot of different things I like about him. I understand why people don't. Um, he's a New York guy. Uh, when I first got to the Bay Area in 2011, we had a guy, uh, Brandon Tierney, who's on WFN now, and you probably heard him on national stuff. He had a big, thick New York accent and um, had that kind of New York attitude. He didn't work in the Bay Area. It just wasn't going to work. Would Chris Russo work in the Bay Area? No. But that's what I was telling you about sports radio is that, you know, every when we come down here every single year, a lot of things that work in our market wouldn't work somewhere else. Uh, a lot of things that work in other markets wouldn't work here. And a New York guy is not going to work here uh, in San Francisco. I'm in Arizona, but wouldn't work in the Bay Area. So that's just kind of it. You know, it's it's not for everybody. But I like Chris Russo. He was cool. He's he's extremely respectful. 
He's extremely knowledgeable when it comes to the history of all these sports, which I really respect. Uh, you can tell he works hard. I mean, he does. What does he do? High heat. He's got an XM channel where he does something. Uh, you know, he started the format. He works his butt off. I mean, he does all, tons of different things all the time, and I respect people who, who do all those kind of things. It's pretty cool. Uh, Jeffrey says, uh, maybe I missed it. Did you and Papa talk about the uh, fallout between Kyle and Jimmy in Kawakami's piece? Uh, we didn't today. We had about 12 guests, and I'm not making an excuse, and I'm glad you asked the question because I did have it in my notes today to talk about. We'll probably get it to it tomorrow. We had like 12 guests, just one after the other, after the other, after the other, after the other. Actually, I can tell you how many guests we had. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. We had 13 guests today. Keep that in mind in a four-hour show. We have 16 segments. So 13 of the 16 we had guests in. Um, and then we talked about LeBron for probably a couple of segments, which at some point you want to hear about LeBron. You want to talk about LeBron or no? Let me know. I got a, I got a thought on it. But uh, So we didn't get to it, but since you asked, and I'm glad you asked, uh, this has been going on a while. This isn't new. Um, it's new in the media. And essentially this all, goes all the way back to – Last year, and this is a it was, this was a disagreement between what he th- the organization thought Jimmy should have done and what Jimmy did, and um, there wasn't great communication. You probably know this again because you stay up on everything, and I appreciate it. You guys stay up on everything on this whole deal. Is um, you know Jimmy doesn't communicate so well. I'm not the greatest texture of all time, but I gotta think I'm a lot better than Jimmy Garoppolo, and. Jimmy doesn't communicate. And you probably have a friend. You have We all have that friend, right, who's the worst texter in the world. And that's what's going on. Like, he just didn't communicate, and that didn't make the organization happy. Then he and his agent, Don Yee, decided, well, this is what we're going to do. And it made the organization unhappy. And you heard and you know, and Tim wrote it in the piece, of how quick Kyle dismissed Jimmy uh, coming back. And I don't know if th- that was on purpose or it was just – kind of Kyle being Kyle and stating a fact because, look, Jimmy Garoppolo is a free agent. Uh, He signed a contract in which he cannot be franchised. And if you look around the league now, just in connections to Jimmy, the Jets with Robert Sala, uh, Houston, Nick Cazario, the the GM who was part of the uh, team that drafted him in New England, Uh, Josh McDaniels in in, uh, Las Vegas with the Raiders. I mean, there's three guys. Mike McDaniel, if two, has still got concussion problems. So there's four guys that directly know Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, I'll tell you one, I don't know that Mike McDaniel is a huge Jimmy fan, so I would be surprised if he landed in Miami. But there's four guys right there that just have connections. And remember the commanders, and I know this for a fact, the commanders wanted to trade for Jimmy Garoppolo before this whole fiasco with the injury. Well, that's what they're really pissed at, is that if you had this thing done, we could have traded you to the commanders. They gave us, They were offering us a pretty good package, and now we can't. And now you're free to go, and we get nothing for you. So the commanders I know, there's a number of teams, the Colts, and then there's other teams, I know this for a fact too, in talking to people down here in Arizona, there are other teams that want to bring in Jimmy because he mentored Trey so well and didn't bitch and moan. He was kind of like an Alex Smith type, right? They like that he did that. They like they like him being in the in the locker room. And here's the other thing about Jimmy is he won games. So a lot there's going to be a lot of teams that are looking for Jimmy Garoppolo. But the 49ers are upset because they could have got something for him. Here's the other reason they're upset that I don't know that Tim had in the piece. Every, and this is just my belief. Everyone said, well, Jimmy saved the season. When Trey Lance got hurt, Jimmy saved the season. So wait a minute. Are you telling me that if if uh, Trey Lance got hurt and Brock Purdy goes into that game against Seattle, 
that Brock Purdy doesn't do the same and probably better than Jimmy Garoppolo? Because can we all agree on this? And again, hit me up on the comment section on the uh, uh, YouTube show if you're listening on the podcast at John Lund Radio, Twitter, Instagram, everywhere else. So are you telling me that Brock wouldn't have done those things that Jimmy did? I'm not being a jerk when I say this, and I respect the hell out of Jimmy because he won a ton of games when he was here. But Brock Purdy, in my opinion, does what Brock Purdy did. He just does it earlier in the season. So do I give credit for Jimmy Garoppolo? Yeah, I, I guess I do. I mean, I give Jimmy Garoppolo credit because he did it. But I also think that if Brock Purdy were, were to come in at that point of the season, then Brock Purdy does those same things and even better. And he can, what I was getting to was, can we come to an agreement that Trey went out, Jimmy was better, Jimmy went out, Trey was better. So then under that, again, under that logic, Brock is better. Maybe on this one, maybe they don't lose the games. Maybe they win in Denver because, remember, Jimmy didn't throw the entire offseason. This is going to be the same thing that goes on with Brock. Jimmy didn't throw the entire offseason. Jimmy wasn't in OTAs. And so – the Denver game rolls around, and Jimmy just wasn't ready to go. He wasn't ready yet. And that's the that's where I get scared with Brock Purdy because it, it's going to take some time. It's not going to be, hey, it's healed and we're good to go. It's going to take some time. But my point in bringing up Jimmy Garoppolo is what if Brock Purdy comes in and Brock Purdy is better, which he was after Jimmy left, and they don't lose to Denver, and they have the best record in the NFC? Is that game different then in the NFC Championship game if it's not played in Philly and it's played in Levi's Stadium? Probably. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, let's see. So there it is. Yeah, and, and I think we'll talk more about it, uh, Jeffrey. I think we'll talk more about it tomorrow if we can get a few more uh, few more spots. Uh, I was so mad when I heard Jimmy's delayed surgery. I actually needed anger management. <laughs> You're a passionate fan. I respect that. Yeah, look, I, I don't know the inner workings of it. Here's what I know. I You know how we found out, if you're a Giants fan, you know how Scott Boris controlled the narrative in the offseason with the uh, Carlos Correa situation? And now we're hearing more and more. Farhan talked about it. We're hearing different doctors. Uh, I think it was a doctor last week who said that Correa's ankle was the worst that he had seen. So you hear it from one side, and then slowly at some point the other side leaks out. Now, it's not going to leak out when Jimmy Garoppolo is a member of the 49ers. You know, like the last dance with the Bulls. Now it took a long time to get that story out. But if you're still employed by that team, then you're not going to uh, tell the true story of it. So maybe we'll hear from Jimmy or maybe Jimmy doesn't care. But maybe we'll hear from the other side what happened and why they did what they did. Here's what I suspect happened. You're getting to the end of your contract. It's all about you. And you think to yourself, wait, and you've made a bunch of money like Jimmy did. So we're going back to last offseason. Stay with me here on this. We go back to last offseason. And Jimmy start thinking, Jimmy's thinking more and more about what's best for Jimmy, right? We all think that way to defend him for a second. We all think that way. And his agent comes to him, Don Yee, very smart agent, same agent as Tom Brady, and he says, dude, uh, you can do one of two things. You can either be nice to the 49ers and get this thing right away, or we can get a couple of opinions here, and then we can just get it done right, and if you're late, you're late. Who cares? You're probably not going to play for this organization anyway. So they did what was best for Jimmy Garoppolo, and the 49ers didn't like it. Totally understand it, but I understand both sides of it. Um, all I'm saying is to just get get back to the uh, to the start of this conversation, and then we'll get to the rest of the questions. I don't know that Jimmy Garoppolo saved the season because Brock Purdy would have just come in earlier, and he would have saved the season. 
give Jimmy credit for what he did. There's no question. But when people say, well, wait a minute, without Jimmy Garoppolo, where are you guys? Well, Brock Purdy plays earlier. Anyway, uh, it is Unleashed. Barry is Sports Talk with me, John Lund from KBR Radio in San Francisco on the Locked On Podcast Network. We are live in Arizona, and it is 6.30 in Arizona. So essentially what has happened is this place is cleared out. I have done a radio row, a media row from New Orleans on a Saturday that was much more cleared out than this. But uh, there are not many people around uh, anymore. But I thought we would have our normal Wednesday uh, chat just a little bit earlier. I do have some plans with some people uh, going out to dinner, so I thought I would do it a little bit earlier. So I hope you're hanging with us. But uh, make sure that you uh, join the YouTube channel. Much appreciated. Make sure you join the podcast, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your favorite podcast. Uh, we've hit a couple of things that I set up in the corner. We would, did, we would do 49ers Buzz. Let me just recap if you're joining. 49ers Buzz is... Uh, that Brock is going to get the surgery by a doctor of the Texas Rangers on February 22nd. That is the deal. Uh, waiting for some swelling to go down, plus they wanted to find the right doctor. Some people were getting a little bit nervous. Why is why is the surgery taking so long? What's going on? Why can't he get the surgery? Two things, uh, the swelling and the doctor. Wanted to make sure that they got the right one. Here's a kid that's 23 years old. Um, the only thing that gives me pause is this is a baseball doctor. Uh, their belief is is that he's going to do the brace surgery, three months rehab, six months. Uh, he's actually able to throw and, and look pretty good. But, again, you can do the math just like me, and, and I'm terrible at math. August 22nd would be six months from February 22nd. So if we're looking at August 22nd and the season starts in early September, yeah, that's not the greatest thing. So then Trey Lance gets the entire offseason to be the number one quarterback, and could he somehow wrest the job away from Brock Purdy? It's possible. Uh, it's possible. He's got to be great, but it's possible. I know this for a fact. The organization loves Brock Purdy, and I mean loves, and I'm doing it in capital letters, loves Brock Purdy. So Trey Lance would have to just blow the doors off in the offseason where everybody's going, wow, I didn't see this. He's really hitting this. And the thing is, is it's not his athleticism. That's Wow. It's reading, it's reacting, it's getting rid of the It's all those things that, that, that Brock does. Get rid of the ball quick. You know, diagnose, dissect. That's what Brock does it so well. And can you do that in OTA settings? Can you do that by developing and, hey, we're all going to go down to San Diego or we're going to go to Arizona and we're going to throw and we're going to get continuity with the receivers? I don't know. He could, but it's an uphill climb. Uh, MF, Brock is the man. Yeah. Well, by the way, let me, let me give you one program you know. Uh, tomorrow at... Here, I got my sheet right here for tomorrow's list of guys. Hang on one second because I want you to know what's going on here. I want to be professional. Eric Armstead tomorrow, 1250. Eric Armstead tomorrow, 1250. In fact, I'll give you the whole uh, list of guests tomorrow. But the only reason I bring that up is because um, Brock Purdy, now Brock's obviously from here in Arizona, and you know that, and uh, we were talking to some of his people, and he's actually going to be down here. I thought because of the surgery and the injury and everything else, that he wouldn't come down here to Media Row, but apparently he is. So we're working to get uh, Brock on the show, uh, hopefully Christian McCaffrey on the show. I talked to Christian and his people today. They were running around like crazy, and he's doing a, I think like a ping-pong tournament tomorrow night, that being Thursday night. But uh, we're hoping to get Christian on the show tomorrow. So definitely Eric Armstead at 1250 on KMBR, and Christian McCaffrey probably tomorrow, and then Brock Purdy some point, maybe tomorrow or Friday. So I'll let you know on everything as far as that goes. But uh, anyway, that was my little tangent on that. So 49ers buzz, Brock Purdy surgery, that's one piece of buzz. The other piece of buzz, and then I'll get back to 
uh, and then I'll get back to uh, some of your questions on the uh, on the chat line. And again, hit me up on the chat. If you're watching this a little bit later, hit me up on the comment section. And if you're listening to the podcast at John Lund Radio on all your social media fronts, and I'll answer any and all questions on there as well. Um, Debo was down here today, and he was on a national show, and he said, and he talked the same thing about. And I'd love to get your opinion on this. He talked the same thing about, you know, we just didn't get a chance. We just didn't get a chance. And I'm not saying that that's not the case. I, I, I think that, obviously, we would all have loved to see what the 49ers could do. If if they were going to get – if they got beat 62 to nothing, fine. Um, but I just wanted to see. I just wanted to see it. And I think that's the hardest thing for fans to get over. It's the hardest thing for us as we're sitting and talking to a bunch of uh, national NFL people. Um, consensus is it would have obviously been a much, much, much closer game. But most people, and I'm going to say 90% of people that have come to our table when we ask them that question both on and off the air, um, say, man, that offensive and defensive line of the Eagles, though, that thing was a monster. And you have to give them credit. You do. And the one thing I would say in the offseason for the 49ers is they got to get somebody opposite Bosa. Uh, I'm extremely down on Javon Kinlaw. And I didn't say down with Javon Kinlaw. I said down on Javon Kinlaw. This hasn't shown it, and he wasn't good in that Philadelphia game, and I feel bad that he has a degenerative knee condition that is not going to allow him to ever, I believe, reach his potential. Uh, It's rest it, play, it flares up, rest it. He's out for a couple of games, play, uh, flares up again. I mean, that's just going to be his career, and he's just not – I don't see it at this point. They're not going to pick up his fifth-year option, and they will with Brandon Ayuk. But to stay on topic, most people that sat down said, I have a hard time getting over Philly's offensive and defensive line being so much better. And as we look back at the 49ers, it's remarkable what they did. But the one flaw that they absolutely positively had was they didn't have anybody opposite Bosa. Bosa had no sacks in the postseason. And when you're when you're getting ready for a team in the playoffs and you're saying, okay, defensively, where does it start? Well, obviously it starts with Bosa. And so that, that was a major problem. They are going to upgrade the position opposite Nick Bosa because it's not fair to them that they don't. So I know that that was a big buzz today as well here on Radio Row. Uh, Let me go through a few more of these questions. Thank you very much for hanging out on the podcast. I appreciate it. Make sure you subscribe, tell your friends, and also are on the YouTube channel, and also check out the podcast. Uh, Paul says, problem with injuries like this, football players, is there is very little data to draw from as far as recovery. You're 100% right. And that's why we're not getting a timeline on Brock. We're getting a we'll see when we get in there. The 49ers obviously want to say and be optimistic and say it's a three-month, it's the brace. Six months he'll be back. But, again, I'll say this again for the third time during this live chat. It makes me a little nervous that they're going with a baseball doctor only because what that tells me is, yeah, we can fix it this way that, that we're all optimistic that he can be back in six months. But if it isn't that when I get in there, then I'm going to have to do a TJ surgery. And maybe that's why they went baseball doctor, because they just don't know. So we'll see. Uh, Paul says, Papa and Lund, uh, your favorite. Thank you very much. And you said probably the best show on KBR. Come on, bro. No, I'm just kidding. I love Murph and Mac. I love uh, Tolbert and Copes. I work with Tom. He's the best. And uh, we just have a lot of fun, and I appreciate you tuning in all the shows. Uh, oh, thank you, Jeffrey. Uh, the Lakers land D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, uh, Jared Vanderbilt. Jazz are going to send Conley and picks of the Timberwolves, Russell Westbrook, and a lightly protected uh, 2027 to Utah. Uh, in this on the spot, and we had heard about this deal. See, the Lakers, I like Malik Be- Beasley going to the Lakers. I don't like D'Angelo Russell going to the Lakers. Why doesn't, why doesn't D'Angelo Russell work wherever he goes? Demands the ball, and he's not good enough to do that. 
if you're going to have somebody dominate the ball, it's got to be Luka. If you're going to have somebody dominate the ball, it's got to be LeBron. You know, Steph doesn't dominate the ball. On a, is If you go look at usage rates and all that kind of stuff, Steph can do either. If you need Steph to be a, a pure point, he can do that. If you want Steph to play off, he can do that. He doesn't have to commandeer the ball, and that's why when everybody was bitching and moaning and complaining, oh, when Durant came, oh, there's only one ball. They didn't, they didn't watch the Warriors ever play. Clay doesn't ever. Clay is ultimate catch and shoot guy. Curry can adapt to anything. He's a chameleon, and he's not an egomaniac. And Durant just wanted to win because he was sick of not winning championships and being told how good he was, but never had won. So they were always going to be able to sh- share the ball. So Malik Beasley makes sense. He'll play defense. He can guard multiple positions, but he doesn't need the ball in his hands. D'Angelo Russell doesn't work because LeBron James is going to shoot the bas- is going to dominate the basketball. He needs players who can play off of him. Can D'Angelo Russell play off of him? D'Angelo Russell didn't work here. He didn't work with the Warriors because he couldn't play off the ball. He had to dominate the ball, and it didn't work. And then he goes to the Lakers, and I'm not denying his talent, but what starts to happen is, okay, the Lakers gave up on him once, and then he goes to the Nets, and then he makes the all-star team, and then the Nets go, oh, I see. And then he, they move him. And th- look, the, reasons, the reason the Warriors got him, and you, you know this, but I'll just reiterate it, the reason why the, the, the Warriors got him was just a money slot because if you don't – if they didn't in that Durant trade take the D'Angelo Russell, then the money goes away because they weren't under the cap, and so it disappears like a black hole. So you can't make that money up. So they had to take something that was of the equivalent – so that they can then move them, and of course they got the pick that became Kaminga, and they got um, Wiggins out of the deal. But they never would have got those guys if they let the hole close up. That's why they took D'Angelo Russell. They didn't want him, but then when they did have him, they're like, this dude can't play. This guy is not a ball mover. We need ball movers, and we need somebody who can play off Steph, and this guy can't do it. So then they moved him to Minnesota. Cat wanted to play with him. He's all excited to play with him. What happened? Dominated the ball, and he's not good enough to dominate the ball. He's not the kind of player – that is so good that he can just dominate the ball and you get better, you get worse. So Minnesota moves him along, and he's going to go to a Lakers team, and he's not hes not the type of player that's going to play well off of LeBron James, not in my opinion. So are the Lakers better with D'Angelo Russell and Malik Beasley and Jared Vanderbilt than with just Russell Westbrook? Probably, only because, again, we've seen, we know this firsthand because we've seen it with the Warriors – multiple players, you get guys who can do different things. Yeah, that's better than Russell Westbrook. But I'm saying if they, if people are going to look at this trade and say, oh, the main guy coming back is D'Angelo Russell, I'm not a D'Angelo Russell guy. And he's not going to fit well with LeBron James, in my opinion. Now, Malik Beasley and Jared Vanderbilt, those are pluses. Uh, Mike Conley going uh, moving to the Timberwolves. Mike Conley had gotten old fast. Mike Conley has had a great career in the NBA, but he got old fast. Uh, and then Russell Westbrook's going to be um, Russell Westbrook's going to be bought out in Utah, and a lot of people think he's going to end up with the Heat. Now I don't know about that. Um, don't ask me if you, he, you if I want him on the Warriors because I don't. I have nothing against Russell Westbrook. If he was on like his second team in the war, I mean, no way, no chance. I don't think you're going to ask me that, but I'll just I'll cut it off to pass. And a lightly protected pick to Utah. I don't know what Danny Ainge is doing. I don't know. I mean, he, he traded. I, I had no problem with what he did in moving uh, guys this offseason. I personally, I would have moved Gobert. I wouldn't have moved Mitchell. I don't think they got enough for Mitchell. Mitchell's blooming in 
Cleveland, I think Mitchell's a really good player and one of the better players in the league, even though he's not a great defensive player. But he's just blowing that thing to smithereens. And the problem in Utah, and I, that was where I started my career, is that players won't come there. I mean, it's just it's a different place, and people in Utah hate hearing this, but Donovan, Donovan Mitchell said it after he got traded to Cleveland. <laughs> players don't want to go there. They don't want to sign there. There's not enough to do. Bars close at 12. Uh, there isn't a nightlife to speak of. If you like to hike and you like to do all sorts of stuff, I'm not demeaning it at all. It's, it's a great place if you want to hike and be outdoors and do all those kind of things. But NBA players want a nightlife and meet people, and they want to eat dinner after games. You can't do that. It's, it's just it's not a great place for that. And so Danny Ainge is trying to break it down, and what he wants to do ultimately probably is get a bunch of money, sign free agents, do those kind of things. Actually, what works in Utah is foreign players a lot a lot a lot of times better than or more than um, the traditional way that you would go about building a team. Thanks for that. Appreciate it, Jeffrey. Um, Sam says, I love Brock Purdy, but I still would love to see what Lance can do. We just don't know his potential. That's a hell of a good question, and that's kind of the point here, right? I mean, part of me says it would be really cool if Trey Lance would be the type of player that he was drafted to be. In other words, as, as I said before, I'm staring at a banner right now because I'm at uh, Media Row in Phoenix. I'm staring at a banner right now of Patrick Mahomes and uh, Jalen Hurts. And I'm not saying that Lance is going to be either of those guys, but what I'm saying is is he was drafted to be kind of Jalen Hurts, right? Jalen Hurts wasn't a great passer at Alabama. Now the difference is he played at Alabama in a bunch of games, threw the ball a ton at Oklahoma. But the thing that I don't know about Trey Lance, I don't, is is he like Jalen Hurts in that Jalen Hurts just it's burning for this guy to, to get better. And you can clearly tell that Jalen Hurts – worked his ass off to get better. But what Jalen Hurts is is what Trey Lance was drafted to be, run and pass. A, a team has to prepare for you. I, I know this for a fact because I was down at a 49ers HQ on Wednesday and Thursday ahead of the NFC Championship game. There was a lot of talk about, okay, Jalen Hurts the thrower, then there's Jalen Hurts the passer, and there's Jaylen, or excuse me, Jalen Hurts the thrower, Jalen Hurts the runner, Jalen Hurts in the in – the, um, in the run game in terms of non-designed runs, designed runs. It was just, it's a huge headache. And that's what Kyle Shanahan saw is he's had the guys who could sit in the pocket. He's had Matt Ryan. He's had Matt Schaub. He's had guys who could sit in the pocket. He's had Jimmy Garoppolo. He's had those guys who could pick apart defenses. What he wanted, what he saw in Trey Lance during that draft was this guy can do both. This guy can be the headache because it's a headache getting ready, ready for these guys. You know, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. But that's what he was looking for. He wanted that multi-dimensional player, and my, and again, I like Brock Purdy a lot. Not down on him in the slightest. But if you could, since you asked the question, Sam, and I think you would agree with me, and hit me up on the uh, the comment line. And again, if you're listening later, just put the comments underneath or at John Lund Radio. But if you had a choice right now, as a 49ers fan, of Brock Purdy succeeding to his potential, or Trey Lance succeeding to his potential, wouldn't you take Trey Lance? Brock Purdy's a great player, dissects things really well. His ceiling, I mean, when he first started, people are saying Joe Montana. That's just not fair. Maybe you could, but that's just not fair to say. Uh, could he be a better version? Let's let's be realistic. Could he be a, be a better version of Jimmy Garoppolo? Yeah, I think that's realistic. Could he be Joe Montana? Let's slow down the train. Um, Trey Lance's potential, and this is why he was drafted number three, his potential is, I don't know, Jalen Hurts plus, right? And Jalen Hurts was a guy who was an MVP candidate before he got hurt, running, throwing, those kind of things. So he's probably got a higher ceiling, 
Now, having said that, too, and then I'll get to more questions. Having said that, too, I think ASPN did a redraft, right? Now, this is just their writers and guys who cover each team. They're great writers. Brock Purdy went four in a redraft. I don't know if that means anything. Maybe it means nothing. I don't know. If we did a GM redraft, that's what I'd be interested in. Because, again, the reason why guys like Brock Purdy don't get drafted in those spots before you know is because how do you explain to an owner, and this is really what it's about, I promise you, because I've, I've covered this in every sport. The reason why there are mistakes made, we've asked this question a million times, why, doesn't, why didn't Brock Purdy get drafted earlier? Why didn't Brock Purdy get drafted earlier? Why can't they draft better at the position? The reason they can't is because, just like you and I, we're trying to, we're trying to play the CYA game sometimes at work, cover your ass, right? We do that. And the reason why you do is, are you going to put your butt on the line for a six-foot non-athletic quarterback? Or are you going to put your butt on the line? And, and then it's all the things that he can do in his mind, right? That's why he's great. But you can't see that. Or are you going to put it on the line for Trey Lance, who's 6'3", 225, can run, can throw, rock and arm, all those kind of things? And then you can tell your owner later, dude, he had, all the, he had it all. Like, see all these check marks that we check off for a player? He had all of those. Not my fault. But if you go out on a limb for a guy who doesn't have those measurables and he fails, then the owner's smart enough to go, well, he didn't have any of those things. What's going on? You're fired. So that's why guys don't go out on limbs for guys. They don't. It's, it's tough. Thanks for the question, Sam. Uh, Jorn, J-O-R, uh, did you catch Trey's interview with Rich Eisen? Uh, parts of it I did. In fact, what was the quote? I have a quote right here from it. I'm going to uh, go tonight and watch the whole thing. But – and, by the way, uh, Rich Eisen is down here. He's just not in the media center. We're going to try to get Trey on. We've talked to his people. What, where was, what was the quote that I liked from Trey? Give me one second, and I'll find it. Uh, let's see. Because I did. I, I uh, put it aside here. So let me see if I can find that quote from the – oh, my gosh. Took too many pictures at the uh, media party last night. Do I not have it? Ugh, that drives me crazy when I can't find it. Hang on. I have it. I have it in one of my devices here. I have all these devices that I, I'm not keeping things straight. Here it is. That's uh, Debo. Oh, here's here it is right here. Th- I, I wonder if you're referencing this. Uh, this is Trey today. Uh, Brock played way too well and played at such a high level and handed himself the right way. I wouldn't want it to be a situation where I'm handed something. I'm just excited for an opportunity to compete. That's what Trey said today. Yeah, look, I like Brock. There's a number of reasons why I would love to see Trey shock everybody. Uh, and, again, it's it's not me or you. It's not a democracy of who starts. You have to impress one man, and it's not John Lynch, and it's not Adam Peters, and it's not it's not anybody in that building but, but Kyle Shanahan. Kyle has the ultimate stamp of approval on the roster, but when it comes to the quarterback, it's the ultimate, ultimate, ultimate stamp of approval. I will pick the quarterback. And he likes Brock Purdy a lot. He does. So it's an uphill battle. There's no question. Uh, MF says, love it when Tim Ryan comes on. Yeah, we gotta, uh, we got to get Tim on during the offseason. I can't go through I, – honestly, I can't. Physically, I cannot go through an entire offseason and not have uh, Tim Ryan on. So we'll fix it. Uh, Paul says, hate the excuses they've been using uh, five out of six years, and it sounds like the excuse they are rolling downhill. Uh, that is 100% true. Uh, MF, I miss DJ Jones. Yeah, that's one thing. Um, the – the Buckner trade, not to go back to this again and again and again, but the Buckner trade didn't hurt as bad when you had DJ Jones because 
at the very least, teams could not run on you. And then DJ had a surprising way um, he could push the pocket. And then that allowed Bosa and that helped everybody else out. And Armstead's great. And by the way, Armstead on our KMBR show tomorrow here live at the Media Center in Phoenix at 1250, 1250 Pacific. Uh, that hurt. And I'm not, I, I said this earlier about Javon Kinlaw. And look, I like Javon, Javon Kinlaw personally, and I think a lot of people have taken unfair shots at him. And I appreciate Eric Armstead, and I'm sure we'll talk about this at 1250 tomorrow Pacific when he comes on the show here at Media Row. Um, he Eric was quick to defend uh, Javon Kinlaw and said, I should have done this and I should have done that. And I really appreciate that he's doing it because, and I think part of the reason he's doing it is, A, I'm sure he's not lying, and B, uh, he wants to protect the young guy's um, psyche. And I totally respect both of those reasons. But he got blown off the ball a ton, not only on the couple of plays that Eric Armstead had pointed out, just not good. And a six-six guy can't just stand up, and then you're gonna, you know, leverage-wise, you're gonna get pushed out. I mean, you saw Jason Kelsey on a, on three or four occasions just basically brush him aside and get to the second level, and you can't have that because now Javon Kinlaw didn't do at least the most minimal job that he has to do, which is tie up a blocker, because now you just you got shoved out of the way, which created a hole, and then Jason Kelsey was out was able to get out to the second and third level and block more guys, so. I don't think he's going to get – I don't think his fifth year is going to be picked up. I don't think that's much of a revelation. I think that's Captain Obvious. And the issue with him is is going to be what happens after that. But to, to back to your point of I miss G.J. Jones, he covered that a lot of that up. He could push the pocket against the pass. He wasn't a great pass rusher, but he could push the pocket against the pass, and he could stop the run. Denver got him. They paid too much money, and that's part of the business. You know that. Um, let's see. Do-do-do-do-do. Westbrook experience. Uh, the Westbrook experience was a net loss for the Lakers, which is fine, uh, by fine by me. LeBron can win all the scoring titles as long as the Lakers don't win another title. Yeah, I don't. I don't think this trade gets them close. Uh, again, getting D'Angelo Russell, I just I don't see it. I, he's not a fit. He's not an off-ball guard. He's not a sh- he's not a pure shooter. That's not what he does, and he doesn't defend anybody. So that doesn't make him better. Uh, Vanderbilt's a nice player. Malik Be- Beasley's a nice player, no doubt. Uh, they're probably better than Russbrook just because of those two guys. I don't think D'Angelo Russell is going to be a better fit, and I think LeBron's going to get extremely frustrated with him. And D'Angelo Russell is one of those guys that's going to, by the end of his career, play for 15 teams. And everybody's going to go, oh, I think we can get something out of him. He hasn't changed his game at all. And that's where I respect a lot of the guys that have come to the Warriors. Andrew Wiggins has understood what his role is. I mean, you start, you start understanding when you get on a good team, and this is no accident. That here's, oh, okay, this is what I have to do to win. I did this with this other team when I lost all the time, but now that's not my role. And I, D'Angelo Russell hasn't changed his game at all to, to accommodate anything. And he wasn't going to do it with the Warriors. And so it was like, okay, you, you know, that's not a winning player, and he's not a winning player. And the, the Lakers are trying to make all these moves to try to win. And do I think they're better with this move, Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, and, Russell, and, uh, and D'Angelo Russell than they were with Westbrook? Yeah maybe by pure volume, and, and there's a couple of role players within that that can do some things, but not a fan. Not a fan, and I don't think the move does them a lot. Uh, what about the competition with Brock? Yeah, that quote. Yeah, that's exactly what we just talked about. Uh, how important do you think it is for the 49ers to find out what they have in Lance if they stay with Brock? Trade, Trey. Um, from what I understand, as we sit here today, Wednesday, February 8th, right? Time gets lost at 5.57 p.m., they're not going to trade Trey Lance. 
And the reason why they're not is twofold is a, he doesn't make all that much money and we're starting to see where the position goes. What I mean by that is Trey Lance is going to make about 9 million bucks next year. Brock Purdy's going to less, make less than a million. So your top two quarterbacks are going to cost you against the cap, $10 million. Uh, Lamar Jackson wants 50. Uh, I, I heard this week from somebody who was uh, off the air that I spoke with that said that he thinks that Jalen Hurts, which they don't have to extend him until after next year, that he thinks Jalen Hurts, if he keeps on this same path, is going to be a $50 million quarterback. I don't think he is, but that's what it is. I heard down here that Daniel Jones of the Giants, who's a free agent this offseason, is going to make 35 to 40 and I was gagged. I think I was dr- drinking coffee, and I went, and I spit it out all over the place. Daniel Jones is going to make 35 to 40. Look, his performance against Minnesota in the wild card round, he was good. But I'm, Daniel Jones is a 35 to $40 million quarterback. So that's one part of it. You don't have to trade Trey Lance because, the A, the cap went up big time in this offseason. I think it's up over – I think it went up like $17 million, $16.6 million. So you don't have to trade Trey Lance because at the position you're at $10 million where a bunch of these other teams, I mean, Mahomes next year, he's underpaid. He's making 50. And I, they can structure the contracts however they want. It's a big number. Whoever picks up Aaron Rodgers is going to be on the on the hook for a bunch of money. Even Jimmy Garoppolo, people down here, I asked some people actually today what they think Jimmy's going to, going to command. And they said that Jimmy's probably going to get two years in the neighborhood of 40 to 50. So, I mean, so you're looking at 20 to $25 million a year for Jimmy Garoppolo to go to one of these teams who are desperate for a quarterback. And we talked about who those teams would be a little bit earlier on in the, uh, in the podcast and the YouTube channel. So you can see where the numbers are. So that's number one. They're not, they not going to trade him this offseason because, honestly, they don't have to. And the second part of it is, and again, I'll ask you this question. Thanks for listening on the uh, podcast, by the way, and on the uh, YouTube channel. John Lund Unleashed, uh, live at the Media Center in Arizona. What do you think that Trey, Trey Lance's trade value is? 25 cents on the dollar? 50 cents on the dollar? It's not good. And so, again, if you're smart, you know business, would, would you trade your stocks at 25 or 50 cents on the dollar if you didn't have to? Uh, you don't have to. And the other thing is, here's the, and then here's the third reason, Brock Purdy's coming back from injury. And we won't know until February 22nd, and the doc gets into that thing. Oh, Tommy John, now he's out for a year. But I, I just, I think, because of those three win- reasons, A, you don't have to trade them. You can get your Nick Bosa deal done. You can sign key free agents. You can get free agents. Uh, it's that $9 billion, I mean, it's a lot of money, but you know the cap just like I know the cap. It's fluid. And uh, they've got one of the best capologists. They're right at the top in terms of being able to fit contracts in. And they, they've been really smart in how they've got them. I mean, remember when Jimmy signed his contract, they were flush with money, and he signed early. And then – so that's kind of what they do. They ebb and flow like – to be honest with you, they are going to need money because Kittle's deal goes up, Warner's deal goes up. I saw some of the numbers. In fact, I'm going to pull something up for you that I was going to talk about on my show today and I didn't have an opportunity to, which was I saw some numbers. I think it was Pro Football Focus that probably did this. I saw some numbers with Pro Football Focus. I'm going to go to my notes from the show today. Just take one second. Hang with me. And it was uh, – numbers for certain free agents on the 49ers. And this is just one person's, this is Pro Football Focus's guesstimate. So they could be, clearly they could be 100% wrong in their assessment of what, I'm just reloading this page, so hang on one second. They could be wrong in the assessment of things, but I can tell you based on the numbers right now with pretty good accuracy who's coming back and who's not based on these numbers. So this is Pro Football Focus. 
Mike McGlinchey's projection for a contract, four years, $62 million. So that's 15.5 per with 37 guaranteed. A, I think that's low. B, the 49ers aren't paying that. And keep in mind, Daniel Brunskill's a free agent, and they like him to kind of go all over the line. Colton McKivitz is a free agent. He's not. He'll cost 20% of that, maybe less. And that's who they really want to win the job, to be honest with you. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, I told you, uh, the projection, they say 1-15. in 15. I was told today 2 and uh, anywhere from uh, 30 to 40. This is going to be an interesting one, especially because of the off-the-field stuff that happened at the end of, end of the year. Charles Amenahu, two years, $17.5 million. That's about $9 million per with 11.5 guaranteed. That's right on the line. I doubt they they take, uh, they take uh, get Amenahu back if that's the number. Here's the guy, because I want Jimmy Ward back. Give me your thoughts. I want Jimmy Ward back. I like him as a person. I like him as a leader. He's the, most, he's the um, oldest tenured 49er. I think he's critical. Now... Some of it's on Jimmy Ward because he was none too happy that he had to move to the slot in the offseason. Or excuse me, the offseason. Slot during the season, he wants to play free safety again, and I don't know what's going to happen with Gibson. I don't know if Kyle wants him to play down in the slot. But Jimmy's projection is two years at 13.5, which is about 6.75 per with $8 million guaranteed. And that sounds low for Jimmy Ward. If that's the number, I want him back. Uh, who else? There's nobody else really that I would that I want back. I know that people maybe want – Ebicon back. I just don't see it. They need a better pass rusher opposite Nick. Aziz Alshire, they say two years, $8 million with five guaranteed. That He's getting more than that. Uh, he's a nice linebacker. The 49ers actually love him. I don't think – I, they. I've been told that they don't think that they can fit him in under the salary structure because they think he's going to get more than that. And there were uh, – I don't know that there were talks and how substantial, but when Aziz was at his best – they were talking about moving him to the middle because he, he has sideline to sideline range. They were kind of toying with that idea a little bit. He can play, and I think that he's going to get a bigger contract than that. So there's some of the guys. Uh, what else do we got? Yeah, Jordan, you bring up a great you bring up a great point. You know, if look, they let Brock go, he becomes a star. I mean, that's some sometimes that's just the risk you're going to take. Uh, that's the risk the Warriors at some point, I believe, are going to have to take with James Wiseman. Not that I'm down on James Wiseman. I've just seen this a lot of times over the years that a guy is with a certain organization and he just can't, for whatever reason, mentally uh, get with it with that organization. I, I, I don't think James Wiseman's going to become an all-time great center, but I do think he's going to be a solid guy that can be, you know, 15, 16, 18 points a game, grab eight rebounds, you know, be solid. But I don't know that he's ever going to be a star. But the, the, the Warriors at some point are just going to have to make that move. And if the 49ers long-term, when Brock gets healthy, feel like that's the direction to go and they, they feel satisfied with what he's done in this uh, time that he's been given, even though it's a short period of time, then they're going to trade Trey Lance. But this year I don't believe is going to be the year, as I told you. Financially, they don't have to. From an injury standpoint, uh, by the time they would trade him, and here's the problem with trading Brock too or not Brock, uh, trading Trey 2, is that you'd have to trade him in an offseason so he could learn that entire offense of another team. A veteran quarterback you can bring in in the middle of the season, a veteran quarterback, he can miss camp. I mean, essentially that's what happened with Jimmy. And he came in, and, and you know, they can acclimate rather quickly. Trey Lance is not proven, and so it, you're not going to trade for Trey Lance in the middle of the year. because Let's say you have an injury, and you say, we're going to trade for Trey Lance. Trey Lance hasn't shown that he can decipher this offense well enough. So no team is going to be like, oh, okay, Trey Lance will come in and, and we'll be fine. He's unproven to the 49ers. He's unproven to the entire league. And we don't know if he can, you know, incorporate an offense 
digest an offense, learn an offense quickly because we just don't know. Uh, let's see. I don't know. I don't know. I don't agree with trading Lance uh, for all the reasons you listed. The possibility that it develops into what they envision. Look, and I don't even know that they're necessarily really down on him. I mean, maybe a little bit. But they knew when they drafted him that it was going to be a while. I mean, that's the whole thing is we as a media try to rush everything. Oh, he's a third over pick. He's got to play. And they tried to downplay it as much as they could. Remember all the comparisons, Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes. But see, that worked against them long term. Short term, it was like, oh, okay, so he's going to set out a year and then he's going to be great. Well, the reason why Mahomes is possibly going to go down in history as one of the greatest of all time is because he's great. And he played, you know, and again, the Big 12 is defense optional, just like it was for Brock Purdy. We went back to, you know, that before the NFC Championship game, we're, we're all looking at the, what was it, 42-41 win for Jalen Hurts in Oklahoma over Brock Purdy in Iowa State. It's defense optional in the Big 12, but Patrick Mahomes was damn good and played against a lot of the competition and threw a lot of passes. So it, it, in the short term, it was like, oh, we understand. He's not going to play for a year. We get that part. But then everybody went, well, wait a minute. It's his second year. Wasn't he supposed to be Mahomes? Well, no, they're, they're making the comparison of Mahomes because he had to sit for a year. They're not making the comparison because he's going to be that good so fast. I think we all got caught up in that. Uh, Jeffrey, Jimmy Ward has to come back. I hope so. Because if he doesn't come back, and I don't know that Gibson is going to come back, I think he kind of got lightning in a bottle. Nothing against him. He had a great year. Love it. But he's bounced to a lot of teams. Uh, Jimmy won't, as far as we know, Jimmy won't come back and play in the slot. He made that abundantly clear uh, after the loss to the Eagles. He doesn't want to come back. And he was referencing the 49ers as them. You know, he was he was kind of distancing. But, again, that's one of the things you do. But uh, but Jimmy Ward definitely wants to go back to his old position. And if, again, that number I read you from Pro Football Focus is even remotely close to the contract he'd get, they got I agree with you. He's got, they got to bring him back. He's vastly underrated. And I've completely changed my opinion on him. When Jimmy had all those injuries, I was probably like you. When Jimmy had all those injuries, I was like, come on, man. Get rid of this guy. This is ridiculous. But then you see what he can do. You can see the versatility. You can see the kind of leader he is, the kind of playmaker he is. You saw the play in Dallas. I mean, he tipped that ball up right before the half, and, and Warner intercepted it. He just makes plays, man. And he's a leader back there, and he's an enforcer back there, and he's a, you know, he's a bad man. And so when he's healthy, he's great. Uh, did I miss you and Papa talking about uh, Jimmy's IG rant about dealing with his switch to Nickelback? We did. Uh, we did address it, and it's kind of what I was just talking about is, like, he's not playing. It's, he can sit, yeah, you're talking about the one where he said, Kyle said, you're going to grab the bench. Is that the one you're referencing? Um, he, he's made it abundantly clear, and and you know what is on Jimmy Ward's mind. We've had, had him on plenty of times. I've talked to him off the air. Uh, plenty of times as well. We had him on from training camp, and we probably talked to him 10 minutes off the air before we got him on the air. Uh, he's confident in his abilities. He believes that that's where he belongs. Um, he's the first one, and you know this, but I'll remind you, that they called the 49ers pick city, and that was back in training camp. And they ended up with 20 interceptions during the season, which was tied with Pittsburgh for number one, and they had 23 interceptions if you count the playoffs. So, I mean, he was the one, and he had a ton of confidence in them uh, believing that they could do those kind of things. And so – yeah, I, and look, there's a lot of reasons I want Jimmy back. And what's vastly underrated in all the sports is having the right guys in the locker room, clubhouse, et cetera. Jimmy's one of those guys. Longest tenured, greatly respected. Teammates love him. And if you don't bring back Jimmy Ward and Gibson retires or you don't bring him back, then, again, your secondary and your defense, okay, you got Shavarius Ward, great. You got Talano Hofunga, who I love, but is a playmaker, and you got to watch him and you got to put the right kind of safety next to him, which is why Gibson was so good. 
it allows Talanoa Hufunga to to move around a little bit, take some more chances. That's why Gibson was so great. But if you don't bring back Jimmy Ward, then it's Hufunga and it's Ward, Chavarius Ward, and then your other safety is who? And your other corner is who they hope to get back, and I think they will, Emmanuel Mosley, who because of an a- the ACL injury, he has to come back. But again, it's nothing against Emmanuel Mosley, but a guy coming back from an ACL, didn't we? weren't we in this position a couple of years ago with Jason Verrett? Guy coming back from an ACL, short secondary, and then that short-circuited the season, at least early in the season in 2021. So you can't make that mistake again. Ambry Thomas is... I don't know how he got there, but he's deep in the doghouse. I don't know that we'll see Ambry Thomas ever again as a 49er. They probably move him in the offseason. I'm not sure he would even make the team. They just, they're down on him. Uh, Samuel Womack, I don't know what he is. He was great in the Packers game in the preseason. How many preseason guys have we seen? So their secondary, if Jimmy Ward doesn't come back, is Hafunga, Javarius Ward, hopefully Mosley, but he's got questions and everything else is a question. And we know what the league is. And if you're not getting the rusher opposite Nick Bosa, then you have a problem because your secondary isn't as good and you're not getting to the quarterback. They'll get an opposite, uh, a rusher opposite Bosa. Uh, what else? Did I see the interview with Mako and the uh, orthopedist who wasn't that optimistic about Purdy? Um, I didn't see that specific one, Paul, but I, ha- I have read a ton on all those guys. And I know that Dan Patrick had a guy on that said that, uh, he needed Tommy John surgery, and that may be the case, but that particular doctor just saw things and read things and didn't know. And it's it's hard to tell. I don't know. If, again, tell me if I'm wrong. Tell me if I'm right. Tell me if you think this. It's hard to decipher all of the Twitter doctors now. There's good ones. I'm not saying there's not, but it's hard to decipher. And then what I don't like is if somebody hasn't ever seen a guy or seen the x-rays or seen whatever it is, the MRI, whatever it is that you have to see, and then he's opining on what it is just based on this is what it usually is. And look, maybe that's right a lot of the time, but a lot of the time you haven't even seen it. You haven't seen the pictures of it. You haven't seen, you know, you're just looking at it and you're just basing it on, you know, when a guy falls like that or when it twists like that or when he grabs it like that, then the injury is normally this. And we can tell in this situation with Brock Purdy that it's, you know, again, it could be a brace surgery. That's three months rehab by six months he's good. It could be something in between, a little bit more complicated. Okay, six months rehab, nine months good, or it could be a total reconstruction of Tommy John where it's possibly a year. And until and the doc said this, uh, that until the, they get in there, they just won't know. So I, I understand, and I love Mayoko, and I love all these guys. They, The group of 49ers writers, and they're not even writers, they're multimedia guys, that we have are as good as it gets when it comes to coverage of a football team. It's as good as it gets, all of them. But they, but having said that, and they'll tell you this too, these are things they have to do, right? You have to go find a Twitter doc, and you have to talk to them, and you have to get information because none of us are doctors. But the downside to that is they haven't seen the pictures, and they don't know. And so, and the, and the doctor who's doing the surgery doesn't even know. So I hope that answered your question. Uh, as far as timeline goes, again, there the the particular doctor, the 49ers are up, and they've made this public, but I I know this too is that they believe it's going to be the brace surgery and uh, the brace that's going to be there, and it's going to be a three-month rehab, and by six months he's good. That's what they think. But I'll replace the word think with hope. That's what they hope. Uh, I said this earlier, and I have no basis whatsoever for it. I'm just, again, I just, I've been a reporter and in this business for 25 years, and my spidey sense of being a reporter is, okay, that's what you hope it is, the three to six thing, three rehab, six total, but if you're having a baseball, 
the Texas Rangers doctor, if you're having a baseball guy do it, are you doing that because you think you're going to get in there and this is what you hope it is, but what it may be is TJ, Tommy John surgery, and that's a year. I hope I'm totally wrong, and I'm not basing that on anything I've heard. I want to make that clear. So we'll see. Uh, Sam, hate to bring this up again, but what's your thoughts on the non-catch play? To me, you have to at least call a timeout to be good. Absolutely. Uh, Purdy probably doesn't get hurt huge. Yeah, that was kind of my thought from the get-go, and it's really easy to be a Monday morning quarterback and say he should have done that and he should have done this. But my original thought on it, first of all, I was screaming and yelling and throwing things at the time at the, uh, at the uh, TV screen, and there's not very many people in here so I can do this. Time out! Time out! I mean, I'm just screaming it, right? And um, probably just like you. And the dead giveaway, and let's just say it again, was Devontae Smith, dude, he didn't catch it because he's doing this, right? Get to the huddle, let's go. We got to go, we got to go. Now, I've talked to a lot of people both down here and and a few things, and this is – let me give give you this thing first. Kyle Shanahan is a great coach. Kyle Shanahan is maybe the best play caller. Everybody says that everywhere, but, you know, you, you just start – you talk about your team a lot down here when you're down here in Arizona and talking to people. In the, he's the number one play caller in the league. He's the best offensive coordinator. He's, along with Andy Reid, the biggest innovator most inventive, all those kind of things. He took an offense that his dad had that was really, really great and added all these different bells and whistles and motions, and and now people are like, oh, man. That's why, even though everybody runs a version of it, it's hard. And and what you do is you get – so as a defensive coordinator, you see it so much that you can acclimate to it, but Kyle even takes it to the next step every single year. So he's absolutely great. Nobody's saying anything that he's not. But we all know this in, in life. You can't be perfect every day. You can't be perfect with every decision you make as a human being. Um, you know, there's things that I wish I could take back in my life that I did that were stupid, uh, probably on a daily basis. But the point in saying all those things is that Kyle made a mistake. As great as he is, he made a mistake. And one of the reasons he makes that mistake is because, and I've, I've been guilty of this in my life when I've been a manager of things, is that you, you want to have your hands on everything. And Kyle Shanahan said after that game that he wanted to see it, that he doesn't want to challenge something if he doesn't see it with his own eyes. Well, that's fine to do at Levi Stadium when they're trying to help you out and give you every angle you can. But I guarantee you that Philly on the board, they saw that. They saw the non-catch part of it. They were never going to run that. You've got to sometimes rely on your other people. You've got to rely on people on the sideline. You don't, you've don't. You got to rely on others. And I think you've, you've probably done this, right, where you manage people and you overmanage them. And what you have to do is you have to hire people who you trust, and then they make decisions for you. And this happens in baseball. They have people on all Major League Baseball teams that that's their only job is to say, do we replay this or not? Do we replay this or not? And Kyle said after the game that he has to see it with his own eyes. Well, it it was going to happen too fast. And he already said in retrospect that that was a mistake and that he would have done it differently. But I think that because that is so big, there are things that happen in your life that you have to reevaluate how you do things. And Kyle probably has to reevaluate how he do, does things. He has to give more power to other people. He has to have someone, and he's been asked this question on numerous occasions, and I still do believe this is the case, that he doesn't have a game manager, that he does it all himself. And that's a hell of a thing to have to say, okay, I'm the offensive coordinator, I'm calling the plays, I'm the head coach, and I'm, I'm doing all the game management. And one of the most underrated things in, in the NFL is good game management because guys screw it up all the time. Kyle Shanahan is great. He made a mistake. Game management mistake, critical. Because like you said, because, again, people have said this to me down here in Arizona, which is, well, it's just one play. It's six points. No, it's not. 
it's one play. They get the ball, and it's for and it's fourth down. They get the ball. The whole again, I'm going universe here. The whole sequence of events is different. It never happens. He never gets hurt. I mean, maybe he gets hurt in another way, but he doesn't get hurt like that. At least at that point. Now, this is the argument. I know you want. I don't want to hear it, but this is what the buzz is down here when people come and sit down, and we ask them either on or off the air if they think the 49ers will win that game. They earn those. Those aren't mistakes that are flukes. So, in other words, uh, Reddit comes off that corner, hurts your quarterback. That's not only is that bad luck; it's just he made a play. So you got to give him credit. And the same thing in Dominican suit. If he had any chance to win that game, when Josh and I don't think they would have, but when Josh Johnson went down, that was in Dominican Sue, dominating at the point of the attack, hitting Josh Johnson, whose head goes off the turf, and he's out of the game. So those are plays that the Eagles made. They weren't like tip balls, lucky things, fluky things. You could almost live with that better, right? But it wasn't. Those were plays that they made. And so many people who we've asked, do you think they would have won? They say, well, the offensive and defensive lines of the Eagles were better. That's where the game is won. Now, obviously, it wouldn't have been 31-7. But before we assume in the Bay Area, and I get it because it's painful, and you go, ah, we would have won the game. But their lines are really good, and they made those plays. So I have to give them some credit, even though I hate it. I don't want to give them credit, but that's it. But you're right, Sam. Uh, Purdy probably doesn't get hurt because the whole sequence of events don't happen. Uh, let's see. Uh, Paul says, I uh, wonder if they get the okay to do a Tommy John if they see it's yeah, I mean, the doctor, the way that I understand it, has full autonomy once he gets in there because there's really, again, they can, it can only show you so much. Once they get in there, the doctor has, I, I believe, full authority to say he needs TJ. I mean, I don't think they're going to leave his arm hanging there going, uh, could we get his mom on the phone? Could she get it? You know, this isn't like, you know, Little League or something where you're like, hey, we got to get parental approval. We got to sign this form. I mean, they go in there fully knowing uh, before they, you know, before a knife comes out that, hey, uh, this could be the, you know, the brace and this could be three to six months. This could be, I get in there and I see it, you know, torn up pretty well. We're doing TJ. So, I mean, they, they know that going into that. Absolutely. Uh, Jeffrey says, am I in the minority for rooting for the Eagles in the Super Bowl? It takes the sting slightly away knowing we lost to the champs. I completely understand that logic. And, I'll, again, I'll ask you back this question. Uh, everybody that's viewing on the YouTube channel, thank you very much. Unleashed with me, John Lund from uh, KMBR Radio in San Francisco on the Locked On Podcast Network. And we're live from the uh, Super Bowl at Media Row in uh, Phoenix. Um, this is a hard one for everybody, isn't it? I mean, hit me up on the comment section at John Lund Radio if you're listening on the podcast. Who are you rooting for in, this, in Super Bowl 57? Because to me, again, I'm staring at a big banner here at the Media Center with, uh, with Patrick Mahomes on it. I haven't forgotten about Super Bowl 54. That one's painful, man. Championship games are painful, but you'd still have to win another game. If Patrick Mahomes doesn't hit Jet Wasp on third and 15, the 49ers are Super Bowl champs, period. That's it. And so that that one pains me, and I'm looking at Mahomes. It's hard for me to root for the Chiefs. And then on the Eagles' side of things, and I understand the logic of they're the champs, we lost to the champs. I totally understand that logic. Uh, I haven't gotten over the loss yet. I mean, look, as you can well tell, I'm very much a professional. So I can, uh, you know, I'm not angry or bitter or anything. We we hung out at the media party with a lot of guys from Philadelphia and had great conversations with them. I'm not angry or mad or anti this or that. It's just that you know, I don't think anything will make me feel better, I guess, to the point of your question, because I'm not over Super Bowl 54, and I think they had a real chance to win that Super Bowl and probably should have, right? When when Kyle Juszczyk scored, it was 20 to 10. I We were in the booth in Miami thinking they're they're winning this thing. We're, you know. I get like a replica ring. But it's like, you know, they're winning this thing. 
we're having a parade. And then you look at uh, the Eagles. And I, maybe to me, the wound is just too fresh. Again, I understand the logic. The wound is probably too fresh now that I think about it. I hadn't really thought about who I was going to root for. And what I generally do, I don't know, are you this way too? What I generally do is sit on my couch or wherever I'm watching the game from, and then it just kind of comes naturally of who I'm rooting for and who I'm not. So as I sit here right now, if I had to choose, oh, my God, it's almost impossible. <sighs> I don't know. I really don't. Uh, I have to choose. If I if I had to choose, I don't know. I I don't know why I say this. I I just I, I guess as I'm because I'm looking at the banner. I'd, I'd say can't. I'd rather root for Kansas City. I don't know why. It's probably because the the Eagles thing is just too fresh. And like you, even though I hear logic and people saying that it's that they wouldn't have won because of the lines, offensive line, defensive line, I still think the Niners would have a hell of a chance because I do know this. I know the game what the game plan was, and they had. They had some things that people pointed out to me that they were really going to attack, and they were very confident going into the game. I will say that. Uh, let's see. Oh, Paul says, uh, if uh, the Eagles win, we'll have to listen to the 49ers say they should have won the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I guess. I, I, yeah, I, I mean, I think I'm going to root for the for the uh, Chiefs, but I'm not going to have pom-poms at my party. I mean, I'm just – it's going to be natural. But I just off the top of my head, just staring at that banner right now, I don't want the Eagles to win. Could be wrong. <laughs> Could be wrong. I don't know. Uh, 49ers should have won. <laughs> exactly. You're already seeing it. Uh, the Vontae uh, Smith play makes me sick. Yeah, it, it, that's going to be one. And this is what happens, and you know this, championship games, Super Bowls, you know, what would have been plays that you wouldn't even have gave, given a second thought even if you had lost that game in, in, a, in a certain week of a season, live on forever in championship games. I mean, I'll, I'll give you a great example. They lost to Denver, and Jimmy Garoppolo stepped out of the back of the end zone, right? I mean, it was a horrendous play. And we talked about it for a long time. But if And then he throws the interception to, I believe, Griffith, the former uh, linebacker for the 49ers. So if, if those plays had happened in an NFC championship or Super Bowl way, it's like, Jimmy's got to go. Jimmy's got to go. Uh, it happens in week two, three to – I think it was week three to Denver. You're pissed, but you get over it. I mean, the, the Devontae Smith catch in lure of – in the history of the 49ers, will go down. And again, correct me if I'm wrong here. This, I'm just giving you opinion, and it's just how everybody thinks. I'm like trying to think like a fan, which I'm a big, I'm a fan. But it goes down in history with me, like Kyle Williams dropping the punt. Right? Plenty of 49ers have fumbled punts. Kyle Williams is the fumbled punt in 49ers history. Uh, Devontae Smith's non-catch goes on that. You know, if we have a reel of plays that we hate. I don't know where it sits. Roger Craig's fumbles number one. Kyle Williams fumbling is up there. Devontae Smith non-catch is up there. What else do we got? Jimmy's miss in the Super Bowl is up there. You know, those are the plays. Joe Joe getting hit in the uh, playoff game against the Giants is up there. Uh, what else do I got? You know, I mean, there's a number of them. But the most of them that you remember, most of the painful plays you remember in the history of the 49ers are – Super Bowls, championship games, at least playoff games. I mean, that's there's no doubt. One's during the regular season. Man, that would have been a nice win. Eh, it's just not how it works. And I would agree, MF, that making you sick, is that's probably the word for it. And this was this year's Kyle Williams or whatever you want to, however you want to call it. That's exactly what it was. So anyway, uh, again, recap, 49ers buzz as we're live at uh, Media Row in Phoenix. And we'll wrap up, unless you have more questions, we'll wrap up the uh, – the uh, YouTube show and the podcast here momentarily. And I appreciate you very much uh, tuning in here from Phoenix. Again, make sure that you uh, subscribe on the YouTube channel, Unleashed Various Sports Talk with me, John Lund from KMBR Radio in San Francisco. 
I really appreciate you hanging out and spending your time. And uh, please make sure you subscribe. Tell your friends if you're listening on the podcast or if you haven't hit up the podcast, you can take us on the go. Just go to uh, any place you get your uh, Apple, Spotify, any of those places. You can get the Unleashed podcast, and all you have to do is search it on Apple or any of those places. And, of course, the YouTube channel, which you're watching right now. Now, if you're watching live, very cool. If you're watching it at a later time on the uh, channel, uh, just hit me up in the comment section, either under here or at John Lund Radio. Uh, 49ers buzz, we talked about Brock Purdy's uh, injury and February 22nd. We talked about some of the comments that were made by players down here, Trey Lance, Debo Samuel at the Super Bowl this week. We mentioned LeBron briefly. Maybe I'll get more into that. I'll do another live chat. It's tomorrow, Thursday? Yeah. I'll do another live chat tomorrow. Uh, the game itself. You know, the one question I have when I when I put the game itself uh, here is what is your – after this loss, let me ask you this. After the loss last year against the, the Rams, I know you were pissed and maybe you stayed away from KMBR or whatever places we're talking about the Niners or reading about the Niners or anything, and you're like, just like, can we just get to the offseason? Can we just get to the draft? Can we just get to, you know – free agency. Can we just, I don't want to hear about, I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to hear about that. The, I'm talking about the Rams loss. You know, oh, how can I forget Jaquaski Tart dropping that pass? Ugh. But again, it's a championship game. You'd have to win the Super Bowl. They would have beat the Bengals. Uh, Navarro Bowman injury at Seattle. No question. That's one of them. Jaquaski Tarts drop. Oh, that just took me totally off track. Uh, what I'm saying is, is, is that are, where are you in terms of your recovery process of the loss in the NFC Championship game, and which one was harder? So was it last year going into the fourth quarter with a 10-point lead against the Rams and losing that? And then how did you respond? Did you watch the Super Bowl, et cetera? And, or this year where are you less excited because you're looking at the Eagles? Like I said, we just determined who are you going to be rooting for, but I like are you, are you over it? Are you not? Um, are you a productive member of society still or not? And then uh, the other side of it is, are you, you know, are you, everybody watches the Super Bowl, so that's probably a dumb question. But, I mean, are you watching it? Can you enjoy it? Those kind of things. And, again, this is kind of the of recent time. This is like the anti-Niner Bowl. Because, again, it's hard to root for Patrick Mahomes because he beat you just a few years ago. And, again, sorry, but yeah, had a lead in the fourth quarter. Then Jet was. And I don't want to even talk about it. And then the Eagles, that one's fresh. It's, like I said, I keep saying I'm staring at this banner, and I am. And it's like, it's tough. It's got, I'm thinking about Sunday, and I'm thinking, who the hell am I going to root for? I'm not going to root for anybody. That's the wrong term. Who am I going to less like, not like, whatever, however you want to term it. I'm not rooting for anybody. So anyway, so what, what is going to be your response to it? Uh, I wonder. Put it in the comment section or hit me up on the uh, chat right now or at John Lund Radio. All right, uh, thanks, for, uh, thanks for hitting us up. Thanks for uh, hanging out with the uh, live chat. And, again, I'll do this tomorrow, Thursday. Do you want to set a time? What is better for you? Because I can't do it too late. It is... What, 7.30 here, 6.30, 6.28, where you are? Uh, let's do it tomorrow. What works? Uh, I don't know when you get home from work. How about 5? Five? 5 your time? That's 6 here. No. F- I start at 5 today? Yeah, I start at 5 today. Let's do it at 5 tomorrow, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll, uh, I'll, I'll get you going on uh, tomorrow. And le- Oh, let me, let me give you a guest list here, because you probably can't read the guest list, can you? Oh, you can read the Armstead part. Uh, guest list tomorrow. Don't run, because you need to know this. Shane Vereen, 10:30, former Cal running back, Super Bowl champion with the Patriots. What's cool about Shane Vereen is we've been hanging out with some guys from London who do all the the Niner games and do the national games. It's hilarious. Shane Vereen does color commentary for the national games, so the Super Bowl, obviously, for the for uh, the UK, which is pretty cool. So Shane's going to join us at 10:30. 
Malcolm Butler, the last time this game was played in Arizona, the Super Bowl in Arizona, he had the big pick of Russell Wilson, which I'm sure doesn't hurt your feelings. For the Patriots, stepped in front of that uh, interception at the uh, at the goal line. 10.45 Pacific for Malcolm Butler tomorrow. Bo Wolf is a beat writer for the Eagles. 11 o'clock, he's from the uh, athletic Lee Steinberg, super agent. Lee Steinberg, the agent of Patrick Mahomes, the agent uh, of like Troy Aikman and Steve Young and all the greats, Dan Marino, until he had a problem and then he went downhill, then he has brought himself back up. He's a great story. Lee Steinberg, 11.30. Carl Eller, purple people eaters from the Vikings years. Noon, Michael Lombardi, our good friend, who's now with uh, Brent Musburger's outfit, Visson in Las Vegas. He's going to join us at 12.15. Former Raider, 12.30, Stanford route. Uh, let's see what else do we got. Steve Gorman, 130. DJ Dallas, for, uh, running back for the Seahawks at 145. And here's the thing. Even though there's a ton of guests there, Christian McCaffrey at some point is expected to join us. Oh, and I missed Eric Armstead, 1250 Pacific, Eric Armstead. And CMC is expected to join us, and we're working for Trey Lance either tomorrow or Friday. So those are the ones that drop out. We'll get some Niners going. I think that's it. Appreciate you hanging out. Appreciate you uh, staying. If you missed the live version of this stream, just hit me up in the comment section. We threw a ton of questions out there. I appreciate the questions, comments, all those kind of things. I appreciate the support on the uh, YouTube channel as well. And hit a, hit pop on up tomorrow uh, and I tomorrow from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Like I said, great guest list, and we'll get you going on that. Any questions, comments that I didn't cover, hit them right there, and we'll do all of it coming from here. Again, thanks for listening on the YouTube channel, Unleashed, and thanks for the, uh, listening on the Unleashed podcast. It is Unleashed, Barry's Sports Talk with me, John Lund from KMBR Radio in San Francisco only on the Locked On Podcast Network. Have a good night.